Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our overgloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. To another episode of the Choose or Dare podcast, peeps. I did that all peeps. in one breath. Are you impressed? With I really my one, am. One breath? I was like, is she going to take a breath or is she just going to keep was, going? I was going right. to do it to the tune of the Phantom of the Opera because I feel like the Phantom. It's like, welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast, peeps, because you're our peeps. And this is where you go, yeah. the Tooth or Dare podcast. She's there. Tooth or Dare podcast. We both need we a nap. Both seriously need naps. <laughs> we need this a nap. This is not I a cute a look for us. I really. It is a really cute look for you. So, tell me about your life because so much has happened since the last time I spoke to you, which was like three weeks ago. I know. The last I remember, you and the lumber sexual were gonna go yachting off in freaking where were you? Croatia, Croatia. Venice. Mm-hmm. Were you in Venice also? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so you went to Venice. You went to Croatia. You were on a yacht. Then you went to Venice. Then you went on the gondola. I feel like like the last few weeks of your life were spent on a boat. Tell yeah. me more. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell so- me more. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, so, well, I'll, I'll premise this by saying this. Uh, it's going to sound a lot more glamorous than it really was. I, it was pretty glamorous. It was, it was a great like, trip. Stop. I'm not going to lie. Just it was stop. a great trip. However, you know this, or at least you have your thumb on the pulse of this. Like, if imagine if you just, like, decided to, like, drop off the face of the planet for two weeks. Like, it nearly impossible right so um you know I had I was building a lot of work you know prior to that and in fact when I got to the airport to get on our international flight I had to actually deliver a webinar at the airport how did that go because we talked about that last time I was like this is going to be a recipe for disaster on the wi-fi side Mm. because airport wi-fi is not well I'm going to do a shout out to the uh, Delta Airlines peeps. I, I was going to say, I was going to do a shout out to the Delta variant no. airlines. <laughs> Definitely not Delta variant. Um, there's no shout out there. But no to, to Delta out. Airlines because um, their lounges are amazing. And so I was actually in their lounge. They, the Wi-Fi was great. The challenge was I was next to this guy, like two tables over. Have you ever met somebody who's like a loud talker? And, like, there's no reason for you to be talking at the decibel level that you are, sir. But, like, okay. So that's what was happening. So I, like, a loud talker. And so I was, like, oh. And so I'm, like, trying to, like, talk closer to my microphone during the – it was just a nightmare. But anyways, I did that. And then we got on our flight um, out to Paris. So um, I took some pharmaceuticals. He took some pharmaceuticals. I am told that I took my pharmaceuticals with the welcome champagne they give you. And that then I was decided I was going to use the restroom one last time before I decided to to take my nappy nap. So I, I don't remember any of this, but I got up and tried going into like some of the storage closets. 
um, to use the restroom. And the stewardesses were like, ma'am, that's not a, that's not a bathroom. And like kept trying to like redirect me. And I kept trying to go into storage closets to pee. What did you take? Halcyon. I took some triazolam. Mm, take so. triazolam on a plane. Yeah, sleep. absolutely. I, I took uh, 0.5 milligrams. It was great. So we both take our pills. We fall asleep. Oh, we, wait. So he took a pill too? He took two. Yeah. Yeah. So you're we a match out. made in heaven. Are you I not? Know, like, this is yes. your first international flight together and you're both just on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> just, we're both going to take drugs together on well, this international flight. Precisely. Because I, when, when we were going to show up with the time zone differences and everything else, like we needed to show up like fresh and ready to like function. So anyways, we took, we took our pills, passed out, woke up in Paris. And of course we had like a short little layover there, had some, you know, rosé and couple of crackers a croissant and then zipped off to croatia so we stayed in split and he's like okay babe so we're staying at this airbnb is what he said so like when you picture an airbnb you picture like an airbnb like whatever right it's an apartment with a kitchen and some some mold around the shower exactly this was in a reconstructed palace okay like a massive like croatian palace that is like hundreds of years old and so i'm like okay we're staying in like a this is like a castle like that's what, that's where we're staying but like okay. okay so we're staying in this like amazing castle we stayed there for the um night and had just a really beautiful time and split it's an absolute beautiful beautiful area of croatia yeah. just stunning the food was amazing everybody was super duper friendly um it was just a really beautiful time. Um, and then, of course, we met with our, our crew. We were hopping on a, our yacht for Yacht Week. Um, and Yacht Week is very different than what a lot of people picture. So people that have seen that um, that show Below Deck on Netflix, that's what they picture that Yacht Week is like. It's not like that at all. Um, the yacht was a, it was a catamaran. So it was a, a smaller, it's not like a massive yacht. There were 12 of us that were kind of on top of each other the whole time. But it was still great. It was an, it was an awesome, awesome, awesome experience. So Wait, were there showers? There were two bathrooms with showers, but the showers were very small. And unless you were hooked up to a water source at the port, showering was not really an amazing option. Oh. Yes. So that was because I'm I'm one of those people. I shower like minimum one, sometimes two times a day. Like I'm like obsessed with showering. I shower twice daily every day of my life. I cannot. I cannot go to bed without having a shower. Yeah. And if I don't, then I'm like, you, you can't you, I know I'm not your friend like yeah no. I'm I'm in alignment with that in I need addition, to like I need to cry sometimes in the shower before bed okay, and like all get, of my woes good, go just cleanse like the, it all out I am a water sign like yeah. a Scorpio I'm a water sign I yeah. need the, the water cleanses me in more than just one way yeah I get that I'm in alignment okay, with that so, so you so did that okay couldn't... so we're gonna fast forward that because if anyone wants to like check out Katrina's excursion I'm sure it's on the Instagram highlights mm-hmm. and now fast forward your home after your marvelous trip and then you're home for a little bit and then now you're in a hotel room at RDH under one roof which I'm really sad that I'm missing yeah well so after the yacht trip then we did spend some time in Venice and then we did spend some time in Amsterdam and then I got back and then I worked a day clinically and then flew to work with a client in Tennessee and then came back and then worked another day clinically and then flew out so I am currently now here in Indianapolis I'm so sad um, that I'm not RDH there. One roof. Yeah, yeah. I miss you. Well, well, that that those are the where in the world was Carmen San Diego there over the last few while. Yes. If you ever if you ever want to know where I am, I'm still here in Canada because we, we can't go is anywhere. Tooth life, Irene. 
She's nowhere. She's here. Irene is here. She's always here. She's not going anywhere ever because, you know, global stuff. But anywho, we have an episode today kindly sponsored by our peeps at Densply Serona. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our friends at DS. Yes. Um, who, okay, so fun fun fact of, like, funny that it kind of happened at the same time that this DS episode is going up. But so what happens in your practices when you clean a team member's teeth? How does that work for you? Like, I've found that I'm getting, like, mixed reviews. Like, some people have to be filling in a gap in a schedule. It's like, oh, this works. I have a gap. You have a gap. Like, I'm going to jump in the chair, and you're going to clean my teeth, and then I'm going to clean your teeth another time. And it's like this, like, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And then other people's offices, like, close the office down for a day or do, like, a weekend where everyone comes in. And so what do you know about, we, tell me what you know, what you know, girl. We, we do both. So if, it, if there's an opening and, if, you know, we have like family, um, employees, friends, like they're a special like color in our coding system. So yeah, if, if we can fill them in last minute with a family member, friend or employee, we'll do that. But then we also do have, um, friends and family and employee days where we'll open up the practice and then we just are, are cleaning each other's teeth or, you know, doing whatever procedures need to get done. So we do a little bit of both, but we're cool. also a massive practice. There are like right. 150 of us. So Well, we're small and like there's only two hygienists. There's myself and then there's Erica. So I had my teeth cleaned by her a few weeks ago and it was kind of the same thing. Like she had a gap. I jumped in the schedule. Uh, but for my team members with me, like if they want to be with me, they have to book an appointment in because like I rarely have a cancellation because I only work two days a week. Um, so she like scheduled herself in for hygiene and she like it was the cutest thing. She set up my room for me. So she came in early. because She was my first patient of the day yesterday. She came in early. She set up my room for me and she like set up everything that I may need it's like you don't know if you'll need it so like all of the Cavatron tips like every variety of Cavatron tip and she was like well I know that I have light to moderate calculus here (laughs) and I have lots of staining on the lower lingual so she had a beaver tail and she's like I have very tight contacts on the lower interior so she had a thin cert so she had them like all laid out based on the areas of her mouth that she knows she has like whatever biofilm or deposit types and then she had my new pro polisher ready and she charged it the night before. So she like went and wow. got it off of the charger, brought it in. She And OK, so fun fact, like my office goes through citrus mint uh, profi paste mm-hmm. more so than any other flavor. And I don't know why it is, but like everyone loves everyone it. Everyone loves it. Yeah. So I was like on back order for citrus mint for a while. And then we finally got citrus mint in last week and I didn't know it had come in. So I'm like she's like and citrus mint is in so I finally get to try it so she had like a little citrus mint and then she had the freedom polisher and we've got a bunch of like cordless polishers that I've acquired over the course of a few years but I find it interesting that she selected that one so I asked her like why did you pick the freedom polisher like the cordless polisher she's like oh I just I just love the way that it handles and I thought it was really sweet so I do so um shouts to our peeps at DS for like making my team members be amazing when I have to clean their teeth because of all of their cool things. Can I ask you, how did, how did it feel on your teeth having the new pro, uh, having that, that freedom handpiece used on you with that, the new pro cup? And the reason why I ask is because a lot of hygienists. It feels softer. I was going to say it. it, So a lot of hygienists are so used to how that handpiece feels in their hand. And then they, uh, subscribe like oh so because the freedom handpiece in my experience um, isn't as aggressive or as abrasive as some of the other hand pieces and hygienists oftentimes think that means that it's not doing an efficient job or it's not like really getting in there 
But patients routinely report that the cup doesn't heat up, that it's yeah. more comfortable, it's more gentle, and it's still incredibly and widely efficient. It just feels different because we're so used to putting our foot down on that rheostat and like, wee, and you know, off the yeah, handpiece yeah. goes. And you're not going to get that with the Freedom handpiece, which actually I love because there's nothing more embarrassing than like accidentally tapping on the rheostat like too much and then it like I goes mean, the crazy. Thing, the thing with me and our office is that we have a ProfiJet. So mm-hmm. when we have heavy staining, we use our ProfiJet. Right. And if used correctly with the right angulation, it is a lot more efficient mm-hmm. at removing stain and biofilm right. and plaque than using a polishing cup. Um, so the polishing cup we really do use selectively. And you right. learned in school like not That's to exactly polish every learned. tooth, yep. every surface. Like, right. I, and and it, it hurts me when I see people like lather on the profi paste everywhere and go to every single tooth that does not have any stain and doesn't need it and like okay bye bye mm-hmm. acquired pellicle no yeah. longer need leave you in that my naked life. enamel out right yep. just like leave <clears throat> leave leaving the poor naked a lamb in the rain it's like the sidekick commercial with i can hardly believe it do you remember <laughs> that commercial when i read the news today no uh so yeah so i mean it really is minute we use it locally localized as needed site specific uh, and it does feel a lot softer so anyways shouts to to ds and props to you for having a variety of flavors mm-hmm. of um of <coughs> polishing accoutrements accoutrement. as Katrina it, um in 13 different flavors that are gluten-free so i'm just gonna like drop the mic there and yeah ask you if you i ask patients that do you know how impressed they are when i say are you gluten free? Cause I do have a polish option for that. And they're like, what you do? Is that an option? And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. it definitely is. As a, as a celiac, we definitely appreciate that extra little touch. Do you appreciate that? I do. Yeah, no, okay. I really do. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you. We have an episode today. We do. Well, we I do. Mean. We do have an episode. Uh, okay. So I'd like, I'd like, I like, I want a song. I know you just said you wanted a song, but I want a song instead this time. (laughs) All right. So Irene, this is, um, the song is written by a singer songwriter and it's the name of the singer songwriter that you need to be concerned about. It's the, okay. I could do this. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Let's hear it. Buckle up. Let's hear the song. Buckle up. You Canadian, you here we go. Is that the Dave's Matthews band? Is that Dave's Matthews band? Is it? You say it just like how my dad would say the Dave's Matthews band. The Savage Garden. Are we doing Dave? That's really loud. It's very loud. That is very loud. This is Dave. This is is Dave. the loudest version of the Dave's Matthews band that I've ever heard. So that means that the guest is named, his name is Dave. Oh, I'm sorry. That was so loud. The only Dave that we've ever um, interviewed was Dave Shirazi. Is that, am I right? Yes. Ding, 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 I did it. Look at me. I did it. You got it, Irene. I'm presenting. I'm doing my gymnastics present. He was. Okay, cool. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. okay. So we have an episode with the lovely Dave Shirazi. Okay. I'm not going to give it all away because this bro was amazing this and hilarious episode is and fabulous. Awesome. Yes. And I'm just going to go, we're just going to yeah. leave it there and then we'll catch you on the flip side. On the flippity flip. And welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps with your peeps, Irene and Katrina, my friend. How are you, hey. my 
nasally sounding goddess. Well, <laughs> you like a paparazzi behind you. <laughs> with what's happening behind you she's got like the this is like instagram boyfriend have you seen that have you seen those memes it's like instagram boyfriend that's what you have is like instagram boyfriend hello Uh, how how are you doing my friend how are how's it going i'm living my best life i'm living my best life yes yes so happy for you hive check i have three of them they're named Ooh. after my ex-contractor. I have Josh one, Josh two, you and Josh three. Me. And they are, oh. they're doing, they're doing okay. Um, I'm going to sage okay. my house tonight. And when I smudge it with sage, <laughs> I'm confident that my high V's will go down. So that's where I'm at. Oh. How are you? Are you, are you living the best L or what? I am. I am living my best life. Um, Good. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, but we've, we're going to live an even better life in a moment yes. when I introduce our guest. Can't who, wait. I'm so excited. Um, who I have to say, okay, so you know what? You do the thing, like you do the deep dive, you do the Googling of our guests. You want to know everything about them before they come on. And yes. I'm like a horse with blinders. I put on my side shields and I'm like, I don't want to know anything until I get to meet this human and interact uh, live on camera like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I was reading his bio that came in, mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I don't even know what to expect here. I know. Because... He's like done I'm everything. Gonna, I'm going to read the bio. Let me okay. read the bio and then oh, you wait, tell wait, me. Wait, wait, This what, is crazy because you, you never do this. About, this is a big deal. He's done everything. And it's like, where in the world has this doctor been? And yeah, why, why doesn't do he, he doesn't look deal. like so he's like a million years, years old, which is what he should look like. like. Right? Don't you think? No. Like, right. So Dr. Dr. Shirazi, Dave Shirazi is in the house. This is the bio. Graduated from Howard University College of dentistry in Washington, DC in 20, it's in 2000, mm-hmm. uh, earned a master's degree from in oriental medicine from Samurai University in 2006. I didn't, I don't even know what oriental learned about this. I, uh, board licensed acupuncturist. Like this is amazing. Yeah. Um, completed over 2000 hours of CE. Like, I don't even think I've been alive for 2000 hours. How many hours of CES? Okay, paparazzi. Thank you. We're good. We got it. <laughs> um, completed so a dumb. series of mini residencies um, in Oriental mes- medicine in Beijing, um, and I mean, there's just and it goes on and on and on. So much goes on and on. Hospital and medical research. Yeah. He's a, a board licensed RPSGT. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Wow. Bite, breathe, balance. It's amazing. I there's TMJ, the whole thing. Yes. There's so much to learn. Let's start at the beginning. Irene, let's do the thing. Adults, kids, TM, TMD. Like I don't even know where 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 do we start. Where do we start? And now is living in in California. So I don't know how we got from 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 Howard to. Beijing to Korea at Quanhe University. Like I'm, tr- I don't I'm know. trying to figure yeah. out the where in the world is Carmen San Diego thing, but welcome, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, so How are you? This is amazing. <laughs> You're incredible. This is welcome, the welcome. most fun I've ever had, and this is like <laughs> we haven't even started yet. Oh baby, we're just getting <laughs> Ooh, up. We're just getting yeah. warmed up. Buckle up, right? <laughs> You're in for it. Welcome to the podcast. Are you so Thank excited you for to be here? Me. We're excited to yes, have you. Yes, I am. This is very fun. This is going to be great. So excited. So Irene does this thing. So I'm going to ask her to do the thing before we get like really get into it. Irene, can you do the thing? (laughs) 
yeah yeah i, I want to go back like, pre okay. pre accolades pre education pre dentistry pre everything like where, where when i read your bio and when I, I i create this like vision of this person who i think will be on the other end of the podcast and as i read your bio i'm like okay so is he american is he from china is he chinese is he korean no he's not and then his name is shirazi where did you go to school? I was in California. I'm having this conversation with myself like a true mm-hmm. cycle. This is this really. is what happens in her wondering. Head, in like, case you wanted to know, where, where, I'm so sorry you had is, to be a part of that. This is this is what happened in the shower this morning. I was in the shower she thinking about your bio and wondering like how 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 who what where when why and how. Um, so where did you grow up? Let's take me back to like elementary school. Like, can yeah. we go to kindergarten? Like, do you remember what it was like coming out of the womb? Like, tell me how <laughs> far back. Know, can how we far go? back can we go? We want to do that. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I was kind of like raised in Woodland Hills, California. I was there okay. pretty much my whole life until I left for dental school, which was on the East Coast. Uh, came running back because I don't know how people can live there. Um, loved my school, but I, I don't, how do people live there? I don't <laughs> yeah, how know. do they? I don't, I don't understand. From the East Coast. We love you Eastern Standard Time people, but it's all about the Pacific. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, and then I, like I said, I came running back, um, still oh, lived around whatever. Woodland Hills, Calabasas and yeah, went, went back to school as you saw in my bio, got the master's in Chinese medicine, master's in psychology. Okay, hold on, hold on, too, too far. Hold on. Yeah. So, okay. So you grow Whoa, up in California. Too fast, yeah. too slow, too fast. Too, too fast, too slow. So you grew up in yeah. California when you, when you grew up in California, did you have any idea that you were going to get into the health sciences? Was that like a, a dream of yours growing up in, well, in kind of. So okay. everyone in my family is a doctor or dentist, basically. Okay. My mom's a dentist. I started dental assisting for her when I was 14 okay. and I loved it. You know, she inspired me to be a dentist. And um, so I knew at 14, I wanted to be a dentist. Wow. So at 14 years old, you knew you were going to be a dentist when you grew up. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing. So that was, was, that was it. That was, that was a trajectory. Yeah. I couldn't work for my mom because that was brutal. So I started, so at 15, I worked for actual people for money and uh, actual dentists and all the I way like up until- sweeping up alginate and crying. Like, I don't get paid for this. <laughs> no, my mom was just your mom, right? Yeah. She had no yeah. patience for you. For, what do you mean it took you three seconds to do that? <laughs> So uh, I worked for somewhere else, got my extra license when I was 16. And I only took that long because I needed a car. Um, And then um, was doing the dental assisting thing. Um, And initially I wanted to be a surgeon. Um, And then I went to dental school in 96. And in my first year, I decided not to be a surgeon. (laughs) Why? What, what you just well, were like, I don't want to cut people open? No, I love that part. Oh, I was okay. very lucky. I had five uh, girls in with me. We each get a cadaver that we dissect, right? And we did from head to thigh. And I brought my own scalpel. I was ready. Yeah, right? I just can't. Wait, can we call this face. episode head to story. thigh? I had can five we... girls and then it was, and then it was cadavers. Head to thigh. <laughs> just, oh my. Can we create a title around something it around was... that? Like, sleep <laughs> you know five girls and a couple <laughs> of cadavers. <laughs> You'll find a funny way out of it, I'm sure. Um, I feel like there's yeah. a joke around that. There like, is something there. goes into a bar with five girls, comes out with three <laughs> cadavers. Like, who killed the other two girls? <laughs> Um, they were very sweet, but they let me do most of their dissection, which I was grateful for. Oh. And so I loved it. I loved the dissection. I loved surgery. 
Um, but the thing that threw me was, you know, TMJ surgery. So, you know, our instructors, they weren't dentists, they were PhDs in anatomy. Mm -hmm. And they would show us like x-rays of, you know, all these bolts that were in the patient after the jaw surgery. And I was just like, how does the person function like that? And, and they're like, we don't know. I'm <laughs> like, well, why are you doing it then? You know, it's like, it's like, well, you know, this is, again, this is in the nineties. So um, it's not a very exact science. We're just sort of doing it. And th these people don't have any other option. And, you know, that's just what it is. And I was so naive back then that I thought that when a dentist refers to a specialist, the specialist can't say, oh, that's too hard, right? Like, oh, you, oh, they get a root canal. And then, you know, and the endodontist doesn't say, well, this one's too challenging for me. I can't do it, right? But the truth is they actually do do that sometimes. And they don't use those words. They just say, the tooth is not savable. <laughs> you know, yes. basically means beyond yeah. their means. And so I thought naively that an oral surgeon. Wait, are you saying that a specialist who we refer to, you know, the people that we refer to that we trust that we are like, we as general dentists can't perform this procedure. We're going to send it to the big bad wolf down the street that can handle anything with his fancy schmancy microscopes and technology that they also are not able to do <laughs> stuff. And then they don't refer to someone else who can't. Yes. Yeah. You didn't know this? Yeah. No, sometimes I was when they just... years old when I No, no, no. This. There have been times like um, when I got out of dental school, I was doing a lot of surgery and root canals, like wisdom teeth kind of surgery. And one of the, you know, uh, conferences that I went to was an endodontic root canal conference. And the teacher was obviously an endodontist. And another endodontist brought an extracted tooth and said, I couldn't work these canals using your technique. And I told the dentist to just extract the tooth. And he goes, okay, let me try, right? So he took the extracted tooth, Ooh. he did his technique and he got to the apex, right? So what does that mean, <laughs> right? That meant that the speaker right. could have done the root canal. Sure. Right, and right. the specialist, because they're human beings too, you know, the, the, the specialist couldn't do it and just said, Hey, this is beyond what can be done. Uh, let's just pull the tooth. Wow. Right. So that happens, but I again, I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. It is what it is. It, it hurts is what my it heart. It is what it is. Okay. All right. So th that, that is the reality that happens right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, Correct. It, Correct. it happens. And I guess, in medicine, that happens often. Yes. All the I mean, time. What, what we see in, in, in TV and what, what we know from our colleagues that, you know, someone will go to a cardiologist and that cardiologist is like, you know, I've never performed this procedure before. I'm going to send you to my colleague across the country. And that cardiologist right. has done this procedure a hundred times. So, but then, you know, you're looking at costs for travel, medical bills, but for an organ that will keep someone alive. Whereas mm -hmm. when it's a tooth and perhaps a thousand dollar endo, it's like, well, is that travel to that speaker who is God knows where in the world? Is it worth that distance for one tooth? It's a personal it? decision. It's a personal decision. Yeah. I think there's more to it though. I think when you look at it, I think the challenge is this. How many times look at medicine? How many times does somebody have an autoimmune disorder? 
and they get shuffled from person to person to person to address what's going on, right? Irene's a great example of that. You know, how many times have you been moved around and, and it's, and it's, it's noble. You don't know. So you're sending me to the next person and we're trying to, but then you gather differential diagnosis. How many people say I have IBS, right? And you look at that, I have fibromyalgia. You look at some of these things and you're like, was that just because they got to the end of the road and they couldn't figure out what it was? So they created a name for it. And yeah, chronic, chronic idiopathic uticaria. Right. That is, Which is a fancy <laughs> way for saying, <laughs> we don't know what you have, but sometimes you get around. I don't know. Yeah. So that, and, right. and to your point, Dr. Shirazi, this for dentistry, we have the advantage of being like, oh, well, we've made it to the end of the rope and this tooth is still mm-hmm. bothering you. Like, mm-hmm. let's just amputate. And, and, and I'll go. And I'll go one step further. Uh, Dentistry is, of course, a branch of Western medicine, but it is such, I don't know how many echelons better quality of medicine than conventional medicine. And I'll tell you why. If, If you walked into a physician's office with a toothache, the diagnosis is idiopathic odontalgia, right? And then their first go-to is, well, here's some anti-inflammatories. Here's a fluoride mouthwash. Mm -hmm. Come back in three months. Let me know how you do, right? So patient goes home, takes the NSAIDs and the fluoride and comes back and says, well, I had about 40% improvement. In Western medicine, 40% improvement is considered success, okay? And it's like, but now the pain is keeping me up at night okay, well, let's go take an x-ray and see what's going mm. on. And then they see a bombed out tooth Finally, with, with you know, apical pathology. And they're like, okay, well, your options now are amputation or root canal, which is still another surgical procedure, right? So that's conventional medicine, okay? Mm-hmm. That's malpractice in dentistry, okay? Patient comes to you with a toothache, you examine the tooth, you take an x-ray of the tooth, you probe the tooth, you check to see if they're bruxing, you palpate the jaw joints, you palpate the muscles of mastication, you look on the panel to see if they have a sinus infection that's referring, you, you try to find the cause, right? And sometimes the cause can be extra oral. They could have like a centrally sensitized disorder that's causing an allodynia in the teeth. That's something to acknowledge too. And then you just go back and look at the medical history. But that's what we do as dentists. It, physicians are, I mean, I hate to sound so mean to them, but generally speaking, and I say this about my own family, you know this, um, they are symptom managers. Mm. There's very little uh, effort made to ca- find the cause of the problem and treat to that. Do you find that here in the United States that we're more tethered to that symptomatic reactive medicine versus in other cultures. And the reason why I ask this is because Irene and I are both hygienists and we Mm -hmm. are preventive specialists. I believe that the hygienists are the ones. I love hygienists. Yeah. And we, and we love that you love us. Thank you. We love you too. We love that. The love goes both ways, but you know, as hygienists, we want to step into our power and we do want to be preventive specialists. Irene Mm -hmm. is incredibly trained in, you know, oral myofunctional therapy and, you know, has these incredible stories of, women that have struggled with breastfeeding and all of a sudden Irene looks at the baby and it's like, boom, like now we get it. We understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we want to step into that. Mm-hmm. The problem 
or I don't mean to, I hate to use the word problem, but the challenge I think in the United States is that a lot of people, oh, oh, if it doesn't hurt, it's not a problem. You know what I mean? And I think that there's more to it than that. Yeah. So the, the concept of allopathic medicine has pervaded most of the planet, right? So Australia, Europe, uh, Japan, uh, China, Korea. So in China, uh, when you graduate high school, you take an exam and you, if you do well on your exams, you can choose to go to medical school. You can choose to do Western medical school or Chinese medical school, right? And there's a tiny bit of overlap, tiny bit, right? Where is but, that? Uh, what is the overlap? Where, 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 do, where I, do the I mean, spheres I didn't, or the circles? Well, move? I didn't go there, but for example, um, if, some, if someone became a Western medical doctor and they understand the indications for back surgery, they, before mm-hmm. they jump to back surgery, which has a pathetic success rate, they would say, please exhaust everything else first, i.e. acupuncture, i.e. chiropractic, i.e. physical therapy, et cetera. So th- that's more ingrained in them than it is in the US, for example, right? Mm. In Korea, it's the greatest I've ever witnessed myself. So um, I, when I did my residency in Kyunghee University, that's the number one hosp- medical college in uh, hospital in South Korea. And every graduate is a Western MD and has a PhD in Chinese medicine. So, so, ev- so it's integrated. It's not one or the other. Where did your passion for other forms of, of medicine where did that stem or come from? Because it's embarrassing you, 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 the story. You are it's kind a, of this like you're, it's embarrassing you're on the story. one side and on the other too. When I was 18, I was in college and I had a cold and I have a neurotic Jewish mother, right? So she tells me to go to the doctor. So we were close to Kaiser. I go to Kaiser and I walk into this room and it's a f- room full of everyone's hacking and coughing. So I just went home came back an hour later, they took me in and they gave me antibiotics, right? And, you know, because I pick up things listening to my family talk about cases, I said, well, this problem's in my nose, right? They go, yeah. I go, so if it's in my nose, it's a virus, right? He goes, yeah. I go, what's the antibiotic gonna do for the virus? He goes, well, the antibiotics are gonna focus on the bugs in your immune system so that the rest of your immune system can focus on the viruses. Okay. I mean, I'm 18. I'm like, okay. I tell my mom and uh, to get her advice. And she is in that John uh, run age group where you just do whatever the doctor tells you. You don't question it. Right. So I took it. I got better. And this is, of course, well before the internet. So then I went to the library to look up antibiotics. It was spe- specifically, it was penicillin for colds. Right. And even in the textbooks back then, it said, 1991, it said, uh, don't do it because patient may develop, you know, um, resistance to penicillin that they might need later. And it, there's no literature that supports the use of it, right? So I remember just looking at that going, these people are fucking useless. Pardon my French. I was just pissed, <laughs> yes. right? I just, I mean, that's where I was. I was like, these people are useless. And I said, okay, well, my intention is, after dental school, I want to learn something that's a little bit more 
conservative and holistic so that when I have a family, I can take care of them holistically. I had no intention of practicing it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you, you did that. Yeah. How did acupuncture come in? Where did acupuncture well, come in? Was it encompassed so, or was that like something that you did afterwards? I'm trying well, to like create a little <laughs> chart here. You know, like when someone's trying to solve a murder scene and like the, the headshot of a person. I'm, I'm going to give you the clues. This is memento. She's just got photos everywhere. She's trying to create the spider web. In my mind. Uh, this is what this her is brain, the pieces, this is how she thinks. Little, little pieces of string. It is horrifying. I know. <clears throat> I'm going to give you the breadcrumbs right now. I'm going to give you the breadcrumbs right now. Thank you. (laughs) So um, at the same time, I was studying Shaolin martial arts. Yeah. It's both what we call an external and internal form of martial arts. All right. As one does. As one does. Yes. And and, uh, my instructor was a dental technician in the army. So we, when I told him I want to be a dentist, or I'm going to be a dentist. He, you know, he could, he took a liking to me and he goes, you know what? You should also look into Chinese medicine. Yeah, I think you'd be good at that too. I said, okay. So uh, right before I left for dental school, I called uh, Samra. It's the first accredited acupuncture school in the U.S. I called them. I go, hi, my name is Dave. I'm thinking about maybe doing Chinese medicine later. And the secretary said, let me give you the dean. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? Wait, what? Oh, he's just sitting around waiting like at a giant golden <laughs> yeah. desk. Like, I guess yeah. it was free. So I talked to the Flipping dean. His gold foiled yes. Encyclopedia like, Britannica. Hello, yeah. sensei. I am here to the talk bat, about The bat phone gets picked up. Right. So he was just so congeal. He was just like, um, you know what? Whenever you're ready, I will give you a personal tour of the university and I'll show you what we're about. Um, He was just so welcoming. I absolutely loved it. So I looked, you know, of course, I studied more on it on my own. I said, this is something I'd love to do. So after I finished dental school, like I graduated in 2000, um, you know, drove back here from D.C., running away and took my boards. I think it was October. And then January 2nd of 2001, I was enrolled in acupuncture school. That dean had to be a pretty zen dude. Like you're the dean of like a a, a very holistic um, profession, or or you know, like you got to be you got to be a pretty pretty calm guy yeah. or girl in that in that role. So I'm not surprised that he offered you, you know, a a, a paved route and and mm-hmm. and view in. What was your yeah. experience there like? What how long was the program? What did you take away from it that you use in practice every day now? Well, that's the funny thing. So um, at the same time that I was, it took me five years because I was part-time. Um, and at the same time, I was working full-time. I was in the program and I was taking CE in dentistry because, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's similar for hygiene, for hygienists. But when you come out of dental school, like I knew I didn't know enough. Right. And I knew more than most of my classmates. Okay. Cause I mean, my classmates would be so arrogant, like, Oh yeah, we know it. We're ready to go into practice. I go, really? I have this patient right here. I need to reposition their mandible. They have no teeth. Where are you going to put them? Right. And I'm like, we don't know. I go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had to get the prosthodontist over to help me, you know? Sure. So, so I, I was just like, I was doing 200 hours a year of CE. I just couldn't get enough. 
and I was doing a lot of ortho. I loved ortho, functional ortho. And while I was in school, um, in acupuncture school, uh, we, when we got into the clinic, because um, in the didactic program, they would say, oh, you can cure this and you can cure that. And I was just like, all right, dude, you're getting a little ahead of yourself. Come on now. You know, I thought they were really just, you know, too much. And then when I got in the clinic, you get to see it happen, right? I would get the most skeptical patients like Vietnam veterans who are like, my daughter made me come because she found a coupon in the mail and I'm just going to give it a shot just to make her happy. I love my daughter. Okay. I'll just tell her it didn't work, whatever. So they're in the chair. Um, and I would like, I was intimidated because I'm like, how am I going to get this guy? Well, I want him to have a good experience. You're like so, I'm a student. I don't know. You're like, <laughs> no, no, no. Scary. Cause sometimes you diagnose as a student and sometimes the teacher diagnoses, but either way, they'll instruct you how to perform so that you understand what you're doing. So the teacher comes in, we do the acupuncture and this guy had had like shoulder pain for like 40 years. And it was like 90% better after one session. And I was just as surprised as he was. I was just as surprised as he was. And um, you're like, wow, this is cool. Exactly. Exactly. And then towards graduation, I got into treating pain, like chronic pain, like TMJ patients, orofacial pain, neuralgias. And I decided to combine the two together, the acupuncture and the appliances and the laser. And I was getting really good results. And I love dentistry. Like I loved being a little construction worker, making those composite fillings work. I, I, I loved, I loved root canals. Like I said, I loved the wisdom teeth surgery. All, none of it, like I was turned off by, um, but this was so much more satisfying mm. to get someone who had been in chronic pain for decades out of pain was so just was wonderful. Right. And I was, I just remember saying I, I could do just this and be happy. And it's very hard. I have to tell you, it is next to impossible to do that. And you can add orthodontics to that, but that and general dentistry at the same time. Yeah, it's right? so difficult. Because with dentistry, you have a, an allotted time for each procedure. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you got to get the patient in and out in 30 minutes, an hour. Uh, you've got multiple chairs running what some people are getting numb while you're starting on someone else. And, you know, the pain patients, sometimes they just need to talk to you and just say, yeah, you know, when I was 16, I was raped by my boyfriend. And I think that's what caused a job problem initially. And, you know, I don't know how to deal with it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, definitely therapy, you know, this is something that would benefit you, but it's not something that you got to go, okay, got to go. I got to see my next patient. You yeah. got to sit there and spend the time. Yeah. So it just doesn't, and, and the staff gets pissed off at you too, because you're sitting there spending time on one patient and the rooms are filling up and you haven't even done anything yet. Right. So, so how it do you just do that? How do you, how did you change your practice and how I couldn't do it? I tried, it was a failure and I talked to other people and they couldn't do it either. <laughs> right. Even yeah. having just orthodontics like braces and wires back then, uh, with general dentistry, even then that was hard to do together. Hmm. Right. So I just went ahead and said, okay, I'm just going to do this. So how, how did you do that? How did you just 
you just broke away cases, from general broke away altogether. Done. This is the type of clinic and I'm then, opening up. You can refer to me if you have a pain issue that the yeah. patient can't like, did you decide to kind of become your own? Uh, I don't yeah. mean to use the so, word holistic, but specialist of sorts. So, so we, we, we don't have a specialty status for what I do specifically yet, Right. but, um, I was trying to decide whether I should buy an existing practice, start up from scratch, or kind of do what I ended up doing, which is like a franchise. So there was a dentist in Woodland Hills who was an oral facial pain guy. And my goodness, you know, without mentioning any names. Uh, so the problem in my field is that very, it's very, it's not standardized. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have people grinding inclusion. You have people making flat plane splints. You have people making appliances. They don't know where the hell they're putting their jaw because they don't take a post-op x-ray. Um, and, and you have people jacking their jaw forward for sleep apnea. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't, and, and then you have the majority of them prescribing drugs to the patient for the rest of their lives or recommending surgery. So it's not very well standardized. And I'm watching this guy and he's grinding down inclusion on this patient. And he had horrible arthritis. Like his, his fingers look like Arabic swords, right? And <laughs> the burr that he used looked like a 557 burr on steroids. Like it looked like it belonged wow. on a slow speed. Okay. And he's grinding the hell out of these teeth. And he's like, and he's oh, moving man. the pain, he's maneuvering the patient as he's grinding and he's doing all this. And all I could think about is this is a liability. I don't want to buy this guy's practice. Right. And my mentor, one of my mentors is Dr. Steve Olmos. And he had just gotten into uh, like doing this as a specialty. And, and someone had come up to him just before me someone had come up to him and said, you know what I want to do is I want to copy your office. I want to use your logo. I want to use your marketing materials. I do everything oh. you teach anyway. So how much do you charge? And he's like, ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so he came up with a number and he trained his staff and that was like successful. And then another guy did it. Hmm. And then, and then I met up with him and he's like, Dave, you'd be perfect. And, and wow. I flew out, one of the centers was in New Jersey. That dentist is retired now, but I flew out to Jersey and I kind of spend the day just watching him. And I said, okay, I, I, I could see it making it work my way. So I opened up an office here in Thousand Oaks 15 years ago, almost to the day. And um, yeah, 2006. And um, yeah, the rest is history. So, so what does a day in the life of you look like? And I know every day is different. And mm -hmm. uh, you're you're a co you're a host of your own podcast, mm -hmm. Bite, Breathe, and Balance podcast as well, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I know is focused towards uh, TMD disorders, sleeping disorders, and a variety of patient types. Um, how how do you incorporate? How, what is what would an appointment with you look like? So if, if I came in to see you, what what would that look like? And and let's say I have a mild form of TMD pain. I'm a clencher. Um, okay. What what would so if you're a new you patient? Ask me. So if you're a new patient, we you know have you fill out our health history forms. There's like eleven pages. It used to be twenty one pages. <laughs> we whittled it down. Um, 
and whittled. Uh, that is whittling. That's, that's like whittling. chopping half a tree. Whittling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whittling. Um, and we do, you know, we go over their history. We do a palpation, right, um, from the neck up. And, and then we often will go in to take a cone beam and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I'll do a neurological exam called the motor reflex test. And that kind of, it kind of guides me into thinking, okay, is this problem more acute or more chronic? Is this problem what we call ascending or descending? And then I'll come up with the treatment plan. So if it is a very mild case and it's just bruxing, I'll probably make um, a dedicated anterior deprogrammer. And then I'll follow it up with some acupuncture. The problem is if someone just got acupuncture for their mild jaw pain, it's just going to come back because they're just going to go back and brux, right? Right. And then I might discuss with them if I felt it was relevant. Um, I might discuss that uh, we observe in research that in PSG research, not just any research, that 50% of the time, the reason why we clench our teeth is due to a form of sleep apnea called upper airway resistance syndrome. Yeah. So I need to put that in there because if they say, you know what? I also have diabetes, type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. I also have high blood pressure. I also have like history of stroke. I also have Parkinson's, whatever it is, then we have to tie those things together because we could do a lot more than just protect their jaw from clenching and protect their teeth from clenching. We can potentially uh, resolve an inflammatory disease that would take what, eight years off their life? on average yeah so so we want to be thorough about the deprogrammer before you before we Mm -hmm. we move on to the systemic effects talk to me about the deprogrammer because there are a variety of concepts around how a deprogrammer should be used so like the COIS thought process or model where you deprogram for two weeks then you equilibrate then you pause then you check occlusion again like there's this whole uh I, I, I don't I, I don't buy into that at all. There there is because uh, all the literature have I that I've seen and I've seen a few uh, what's called uh, meta analysis studies where it's a collection of the research on occlusal equilibration um, into buccal cuspid occlusion as a treatment for bruxism or TMD is an absolute failure absolute failure Mm. right Mm. now exceptions to the rule there is something called dtr which is a form of occlusal equilibration but your focus is more on the incline planes there's a technique and that actually Mm. has some literature behind it okay you have to realize when it comes to this sort of thing um there's i mean there, there is no pharmaceutical drug at the end of the day to sell so it, it's very hard to find funding to do these kinds of studies. Sure. But there are studies, a large one out of India, where they do that a particular kind of occlusal equilibration called DTR, which has shown promise. That to me is very promising for someone who's bruxing during the day that isn't like psychological primary, right? That would be very helpful, right? But if they're bruxing at night, listen, we brux because of an autonomic nervous system disturbance, period. Okay. So the arousals that we get from that upper airway resistance causes the bruxing. Uh, That's what we postulate. But if you have an IgG food allergy and you have a slice of pizza 
you're going to go clench your teeth, right? Mm. If someone cuts you off Wait, on the freeway. What? Hold on. Say that again. If you have an allergy to what? If you have an this allergy IgG, to- IgG, immunoglobulin G. So if you have an IgG, more <clears> specifically, <throat> IgG for food intolerance to wheat and dairy, and then you go have a slice of pizza, you're going to clench your teeth. You're going to clench your teeth? I, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I had no idea. It'll happen emotionally as well. If someone cuts you off on the freeway, your kids drive you nuts, you're going to clench your teeth, your in-laws, whatever it is, wow. right? So that's why I that never I knew. Promised. Like the stressor factors I knew, but I didn't didn't know that it could be related to a food yeah. intolerance so or allergy. I don't, I mean, there's even some studies that show intestinal parasites in children will cause parasites, will cause bruxism. But there's even studies that say, yeah, we don't see a correlation, right? Hmm. So we have to we have to look, you have to do an HRV study so you can see their autonomic tone. Um, that's really the only way you can say for sure. Wow. That's what kind of what amazing. about people that are taking SSRIs? That makes them brux more and so, it eliminates so their REM sleep. There's some, some studies that... Sh- yeah. So how, how would you, how would you approach that type of case where, I mean, we don't want to remove them from their medication that they perhaps have mm-hmm. worked a lifetime to get balanced on. Um, well, it, what it do depends. you do then? Well, I, I work with, with their physician. Most of the guys around here know me and they've seen my track record. So I'll ask them like, for, well, first I'll ask the patient, I'll say, okay, so why are you on the medication? Right. And I am, I have to tell you this. I am disgusted at the reasons they tell me they're on the medication. Right. Oh, it's like because like my family thinks I should take it. Or when I was 16, I had a really bad breakup with my boyfriend and I've been on the medication now for 10 years. Right? Physicians. Yes. I, and, and so Irene's in Canada. So I just want to, I want to premise that. It's the same in Canada. It's it, not it, any it may- different. What we tend to find is that th- these medications, just the refills just keep coming. The refills just keep coming. And mm-hmm. oftentimes there isn't an evaluation, like a step back, like let's, let's have you sit and meet with a counselor or a therapist and identify cognitive, like, where are you? Behavioral therapy. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So I, there is definitely a time and a place for psychotropic medication. If the person is not in a place to be able to process what happened to them, if they need to be calmed down in order to get to that stage, of course, mm-hmm. if, God forbid, if they're suicidal, things like that. But it's like given out like candy now, right? And so if it's for an asinine reason like that, I'll talk to the, I said, hey, if, if your physician gives me the okay, can we take you off of it and then wean you back on? You know, mm-hmm. and they'll say, okay. And physician, and I'll, I'll tell the physician, I go, hey, we're going to do a trial with these oral appliances and acupuncture. I'd like to take her off medication and then maybe put her back on in three months. And I don't think I've had anyone tell me no. I mean, if I, if I got a bad sense from the patient, um, I, would, uh, I, I wouldn't even suggest it. You know, if I didn't think the person, Mm. I've had, I've, listen, I've had, I'm a TMJ guy. Okay. I've had patients where I'm like, 
okay, you need to be on medication. Okay, you need help right now. I'm not. Yeah, it's not I think we in could my, prescribe some of that. It's stuff not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I guess I have a yeah. master's in psychology, but I am not a clinician. <laughs> not an MFT. But ma'am, you, know? you need help. But maybe, and they'll admit it. Yeah. It's not like I'm so, telling them something. Needs to come I'm not over telling here. them anything. You Karen, know? you need some yeah. serious help. Yeah. God, what do we do with Karens? That what is do we the, do with the Karens of the world? The Jans of the world? Make, the how about maybe? How about maybe making them accountable for their actions? Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we did that? That'd be crazy. Well, we tried like that lady in New York that uh, called the cops because the black guy was walking through Central Park. They dropped the charges on her. So it's like, what makes her, what's going to make her stop being a Karen? Yeah. Yeah. Because the husband's obviously too weak, you know, so that's not going to happen. I tell you, if, keep, any, if anyone's listening to this and your name is Karen, we're, we're not sorry. We're not talking about, we're not, we're not we're not talking about you specifically. You. We're you're talking about best. the Karen. Yeah, just don't <laughs> be a Karen and be named Karen because that's, <laughs> that's bad news bears. So I love this. So have you run into any um, stigmas about you being a trained dentist who runs a clinic that's focused on some influence from Eastern medicine. And now I, and I will premise this by saying you practice in California. So mm-hmm. I would imagine of any state, California would probably be a state where you would ha- you know, have a more robust clientele. Um, you know, I, I practice just next door in Arizona and yeah. we certainly have a, a robust clientele that appreciates, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, I hate to overuse the word holistic, but kind of that mm-hmm. more yeah. natural, that, you know, they want to have a conversation about it. So are, have you run into any stigmas? Have you run into any problems where there there are people I, scoffing at it or, or not? I haven't had any it? patients negatively scoff at it because if they don't want the acupuncture, they don't have to have acupuncture. Uh, I have had, my office is close to Amgen. I've had, uh, you know, a lot of PhDs, you know, that are working on new drug trials. They don't question the acupuncture. They don't question the appliances. They question the lasers, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you serious right now? And, and they'll say yes. So I'll send them a hundred articles, like a hundred research studies on the kinds of lasers that I use, right? And I said, what drug study are you working on right now? They're like, oh, I'm, look, I'm doing uh, osteoporosis. I go, well, those meds are completely useless, right? You guys are not working on the parathyroid hormone. And they're like, no, no, no. I've been working with this drug. It's great. I said, okay, great. Tell you what, I, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in this. Why don't you show me a study with a placebo and let's see, let me see how they do against the placebo. They won't bring it in. They come in like every week to see me. They won't bring it in. They have it. They could probably send it to me on their cell phone, but they don't because they know. What, they what type? No, they have it. And they'll see that the the rate well, of benefit what, what over placebo. What I mean pathetic. is they they don't they don't have something that they can actually bring to the table. That's right. their problem, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So I just I say that to them spitefully, <laughs> because they really have the audacity yeah. to be afraid of light. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Speak, yeah. Speaking of light, Doctor Shirazi, what type of lasers are we talking about? Are we talking about like infrared lasers or cold lasers, like or both? Like what? What types of lasers do you use? And do they do hair removal on gingers? That's all I want to right. know. And can they tighten up this part of my chin while I don't, they're doing I don't, I don't do the, <laughs> like the angle of the mandible, I feel like could be a little bit more snatched. That's yeah. what the kids say these days. Like, could we, could, can we, <laughs> could be can more we, snatch? <laughs> could we snatch up this part of my chin? I love it. I love yeah. it. I, mean, she's I don't, uh, you know? 
I, I don't do cosmetic stuff. I mean, he's like, ladies, stop. That was I, totally a joke. That was like, that was, uh, yeah, no, but was you know, there detector. are people, you know, when I got trained on the laser, they of course tell you that you can use this for this cosmetic procedure or that cosmetic. I am not what, interested. What is it? Is it an, an IPL, cold, infra? Like, what are we? Well, what I, are we I have here? like a half a dozen different lasers, right? So I like 808, I like 1080 frequency. Uh, infrared is great because it does vasodilate and you get like more oxygen and you get the waste removed. The 808 is working on the mitochondria to increase the ATP, which is like the fuel for the cell. And the cells know how to repair themselves. They just need the resources to do it, right? And they can't right. do it if they're constantly being injured from let's say bruxism, swallowing, chewing, talking. Um, and and so we, we put them in a place where they can be. Um, I use a CO2 laser for a surgical procedure like a phrenectomy on kids. Um, that's very mm, conservative, cool. very light. Uh, there's no scarring. It's really, it just, it just turns it into air. It's amazing. So it, it, you, you're treating a lot of like huh. TMJ issues. You're treating a lot of airway issues, which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know what I'm hearing is that there's an arsenal there are many different ways that we address this, which I think right. is really important uh, for us to acknowledge because in dental and dental, I, I can't speak to dental school, but I'll speak to hygiene school. What we're taught in hygiene school, bottom line, the patient has bruxism issues, talk to them about a night guard, period. That's what we're yeah. trained on. Well, that, I so me too. And I acknowledge when we get on, and, and my hope is our viewers listening at home understand that when you get into, when you get out in from dental and dental hygiene school and you get into clinical practice that you're taking continuing education to bring more awareness to this mm -hmm. because that is not, um, maybe that's like the bottom line, like, so that you're not negligent to the patient. Like, Hey, like you're breaking your teeth. Want to put something in there so that you can break that instead of your teeth. But as far as like actually treating the cause of the issue, again, as a preventive specialist, mm -hmm. what are you truly doing? So what I'm hearing is that there are all these different ways to be able to address this. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've seen a lot here in Arizona is a lot of clinicians are getting trained in Botox to inject for, you know, TMJ issues. They're, you know, injecting into the masseter, temporal, you know, whatever mm -hmm. those, those, um, you know, massive muscles of mastication are. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you have infused into your clinical practice? Have no. you, no, no, no. So you're it's able to you even believe in that. Well, of course I believe in it, but philosophically it doesn't make sense with what I do. Right. So steroids are there for us when we have an emergency situation and we need to resolve it. Botox is there where we can't find any other solution, right? So I had a patient a number of years ago, um, very anxious, just clenched her teeth day and night, purely due to anxiety, okay? And the night guard's only eight hours a day, right? You have another 16 hours where they can still brux. And the psychotherapy, whatever you do, cognitive, behavioral, whatever you do, even if it's successful, is probably not going to be quick, Right. So I sent her to a neurologist to do Botox. Right. Okay. Um, there are certain things like I don't understand why dentists want to be neurologists. I don't I don't get this. In my neighborhood, we have dozens of great neurologists. They almost all take insurance. Um, you know, I can call them up and go, hey, listen, 
this person's trigeminal neuralgia. I wasn't able to get it down more than 50%. I need you to put them on Tegretol or gabapentin or what have you and do all the appropriate blood work. That's, that's going to be in their wheelhouse. That's going to be something they do every day. And yes, there are artificial pain dentists that do that. I don't agree with that either. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that to me is practicing medicine without a license when you start doing things like that. Right. So coming back to your original point of is, you know, do I do Botox and why don't I? So remember I talked about how 50% of the time, the reason why we clench our teeth is because of a form of sleep apnea called upper airway resistance syndrome. So during PSG, polysomnogram, which is a sleep study, we'll see the airflow going down, right? There's no apnea and there's no hypopnea. We just see the airflow going down, right? And once it gets to some low level and it varies per person, the masseter activity comes up right? Mm. And they start bruxing and the muscle tone then comes up and then their masseter activity just drops off, right? Mm. So it stands to reason, to postulate, to make a hypothesis that one of the reasons why we brux, brux because of sleep apnea is to restore the muscle tone in the airway because sleep apnea mm. is predominantly a neuromuscular deficit in the upper airway and upper pharyngeal muscles. So if you're going to go and now retard your ability to brux and restore your airway because mm. you have Botox, that could be potentially contradictory. So right. I just, I, I'm wow. just not, I'm just not interested. Right? It's kind I, of amazing. Look, yeah. honestly, because, because again, it's, are you treating the symptoms or are you treating the problem? When people go through Botox, right. It's treating the symptoms, right? It's like, oh, wow. Because, right. and I, I'll be, I'll be the first to say, for three months, and then you go back in. I, I have not for had less. any Botox. And do you know how much Botox you need to inject in a masseter muscle? It is an it's abnormal amount. It's, it's so a much. lot. Like, like you, you look at someone's forehead and you're like, okay, two units here, two here, two here, two here, one here. In a masseter muscle, you're like sometimes 30 to 40 units in just one side of the face. Right. And it, it, doesn't last very long the first time you get it it's like oh it's wonderful and then three months later two months later you, you ultimately build a little bit of a resistance to it you too. do you do yeah wow fun it's, facts it's, with irene it's my only contribution to today's podcast she's like let me tell you about botox but let and me i tell I you think about botox and it's and you are and you are the gal i go to for that irene because you're an expert but I, but what i mean to say is like i so i have tmj issues uh, many of them um no i do not wear a guard oh, i know i know i'm like the worst hygienist ever i do not wear a guard my massage therapist every three weeks is like girl mm -hmm. you're a mess and i'm like i know i'm just like have you seen my podcast co-host? No, I'm kidding. But you know, I, I, when I, I love you, Irene, but what I mean to say is like you, any, any sense of relief that you get from this, you're going to embrace, right? Mm -hmm. The idea being, if that's making things worse in the long run, the more that we continue to understand, we can't bury our heads in the sand and ignore the fact that the airway is a part of the work that we do. And yeah. so if we're going to sit here and we're going to gather Mal and Petty classifications and we're going to talk to the patient about you should get a sleep evaluation and blah, 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 because you're snoring and you have GERD and all this makes sense. And yet you're bruxing and we're not making that connection. Yeah. 
And our biggest concern is how are you going to wear a CPAP and a bruxism, bruxism guard at the same time? Okay. I, I, we'll, we'll figure it out. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure, we'll put you in a herps. We'll, we'll do something. You know, th- if that's our biggest issue and we're not looking beyond that in dentistry and going, mm-hmm. something's not right here. And who is it that we can send that patient to, which for a long time we, we haven't had, we, we haven't built out what that looks like in dentistry. And so mm-hmm. then our patients question, to your point, we start managing things we shouldn't be managing kind of like my contractor, my initial contractor <laughs> who was doing these, they shouldn't have been doing. So mm-hmm. you start to think about, and that's where you get into a mess. That's where you get into patients that are now you're putting, you're sending them to pros because they need to have like posterior bite rebuilt full, back up. Full mouth reconstruction. Yeah. Totally. Look at yeah. all the contributory factors that you're seeing the comorbidities that these patients have. Look at their family yeah. history. They probably have a family history of a lot of these things too. Yeah. And as you continue to unfold this like CSI story about what is going on with this patient's history, it makes it very clear that what we've been doing dentistry has not been working and we're not serving our patients. So I I think that's absolutely incredible. What you've done is you've embraced the best parts of Western medicine. You've molded them with the things that Eastern medicine has been doing for centuries upon centuries Mm -hmm. to really help us understand the best ways to be able to treat our patients, which I think is incredible. So I'm doing my best and I'm still learning every day. I'm still so learning every day. I think day. that's the most that's the most it. important part of all of it is recognizing mm-hmm. that like you are in the place you are now because of the 2000 hours you've put into learning, but it doesn't end now. Like you yeah. things are constantly changing. New findings are always being presented. Right. And and even old and findings like just the just... most humbling thing you can hear someone say is that I'm not an expert even though you are. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just having a toolbox that has a lot of tools in it. So when that one person that comes in that has this thing that you don't see every day, you can go back and go, oh yeah, I have something in my toolbox for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And and even if- And it's fun to learn. Even if the thing in your toolbox is, I know the right person to send you to because- That this is not necessarily my wheelhouse, but I've mm-hmm. read enough on this that I think you need to have a dialogue with this person. And again, Absolutely. this goes back to hygienists listening out there. We've been taught like co-therapy is important. You send that patient to their rheumatologist. You send that patient to their primary care physician. Like mm-hmm. we've been taught these things for forever. This is not a new concept for us in dentistry. Mm-hmm. What is new is taking the things that we learned foundationally. If a patient is bruxing, give them a bruxism guard. And we're flipping it on its head and saying, this isn't, this isn't the end all be all that patient needs more. And we have to be able to send them to somebody who can really support them in that. And they're going to be a patient that appreciates you because you knew the best place to send them to. Thank you. And, and I'll even say this about Mm -hmm. the bike guards is we now have a couple of studies that, that have shown that patients with sleep apnea that couldn't tolerate CPAP, but also clench their teeth. They were given a night guard, not an anterior programmer, not an FDA approved oral appliance for sleep apnea, just a night guard, right? And they tested them, did a follow-up sleep study with just their night guard in. And 50% of them, their apnea got worse with the night guard in. Wow. Which makes sense like structurally, but that's just what we observe. So, you know, but I mean, in, in a dental office, we think to ourselves, well, I got to protect the teeth. I got to protect the dentistry. And you do, you do, but you don't want to make other things worse. Yeah. Right. 
Well, that's food for thought. And (laughs) I think that's all very important information that we should be sharing back with our offices if you're driving to work. I mean, have these conversations with your boss. No shade is thrown. Like this is, you only know what you know when you learn. It's our profession. I mean, we're- Yeah, we're always changing. So this has been a really informative, very short one hour. So I encourage you all to listen to the Bite, Breathe, and Balance podcast. And I'm sure Dr. Shirazi shares a lot more info. And perhaps we should do a part two to this episode on the dental hygienist's responsibility, or perhaps we could put together a little bit of a checklist that we could be doing because in fact, we see the patients more than the doc does. So -hmm. maybe that's something that we could do in the coming months to share, you know, maybe a shorter episode of you know, things to take back to the office on Monday morning to start implementing right away and maybe a variety of people that we could refer to. Um, so with that said, thank you so much for being part of the yes. part of our Tooth or Dare podcast. This was oh, really it's my informative. It's pleasure. And if you want me to come back, I would be absolutely delighted. I'll move oh. my schedule to be on it. <gasps> thank I you. I love that, Irene. I love we that. must send the psychedelics for that. I know. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do some psychedelics. More so, than cold so, medicine is what I'm going to do. Shirazi, <laughs> before we sign off, um, I, I don't know if you know what time it is. Do you know what time it is? You mean here in California? What time is it? Or you mean metaphorically, what time is it? Metaphorically speaking. So we we are called the Tooth or Dare podcast for a reason. Okay. At the end of every episode, Katrina and I do a rock, paper, scissors, which generally is virtually impaired because of my internet status. And uh, (laughs) the loser goes up against you. You get to decide whether you choose to accept or dish out a tooth or a dare. A tooth is done immediately. A dare is filmed and posted to social media. So while you think about, you know, all of that information that I just shared, um, oh. Katrina and I are going to get ready to do our thing. In the meantime, the rest of you friends listening need to follow us on Instagram. You can follow me, Irene, at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina at the Dental Wine Genist. And of course, you can follow our friend, our new friend, Dr. Dave Shirazi. Uh, send him an email at David, Dave Shirazi at yahoo.com. His Facebook is also uh, present and we will link all of the information below. And of course, listen to his podcast, Bite, Breathe and Balance. Um, okay, girl. All ready right, to let's go? do it. I'm ready. Let's go. I think Dr. Shirazi wants to get back to his, his wife, Kimberly, and his new uh, first son, Maximus. So let's do it. Great. Ready? One. Ha, rock. Paper, <laughs> scissors, shoot. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. Okay, so Dr. Shirazi, will you accept or dish? Uh, I'll accept. You're going to accept. Will you accept a tooth or will you accept a dare? What does it mean to accept a tooth? (laughs) Well, we ask you a very, very uh, deep question Mm -hmm. um, and you must answer with your honest opinion. Oh my God. Well, in, in, in light of this whole, you know, podcast, let's do tooth. (laughs) Okay. Katrina, we're doing a tooth, Katrina. We are, we, Dr. Shirazi has accepted for you to give him a tooth. He wants me to give him a tooth. Well, you you won, apparently. You, 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 I won. I I thought I won because I did, I had the rock. Okay. Okay. She had scissors. So you won. But I won. So I want to do it. No, I, I want to do it. I want to do a tooth. I want to do it. Can I do it? I'm taking my thunder. Okay, fine. I'm going to take your thunder. It better be good. Is this, this is a tooth? It's a tooth. You're giving him a tooth. He is, pre, he, is, he is prepped and ready to go. Your patient is prepped and ready for you. Dr. Shirazi, 
tell us how you, I'm holding a fake microphone while talking to my real microphone, by the way, tell us how you really feel about the <laughs> Netflix series root cause. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, well, first of all, I think it's ridiculous that dentists got their panties in a knot and had it pulled <laughs> off of Netflix. I think that's ridiculous. You're just being a child. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it is something new and something that they don't talk about is an individual's ability, their own immune system, right? So we know, we all know that root canals have lateral canals and that for the most part, the vast majority of the time, these lateral canals are not addressed, right? And so they, they could be potentially holding, you know, bacteria, you know, real ugly bacteria that have really toxic exotoxins, right? Um, but we have an immune system for a reason, right? And our immune mm -hmm. system is supposed to keep these little buggers in check. So focusing on why is this person not able to handle a root canal when everyone else can would have been a great topic of conversation, right? Yes. But I, I don't agree with this whole, you know, I just saw a Netflix documentary and I told my dentist, now my dentist went and complained and they pulled the documentary. It's like, really? Now the yeah. dentists are being Karens. <laughs> the dentists are being Karens. <laughs> don't be a Karen, dentist. Yeah. So, yeah. so what you're saying is you don't believe that, that each tooth in the mouth is connected to an organ like you don't, you, that, that, I like think the that foot, was a part you know, of the, it. Yeah, that was part of it too. Each, like the premolar, yeah, like number the low, five lower, is connected to. I don't know. That's not something I studied in Chinese medicine. So, uh, so Chinese true? medicine is 20, it, it's, I don't know. So Chinese medicine, it was documented 2,500 years ago, right? The foundations of it were documented in detail about 2,500 years ago in the Huangti Neijing. They talked about everything, right? We, they have their own encyclopedia, their own Materia Medica, their own herbology books. They have everything. I've never heard of meridians that go through teeth. Does that mean they don't exist? No, just because I've never heard of it doesn't mean it doesn't happen right? Just because I didn't study it in Chinese medicine doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? Now, what we do say is that the stomach meridian goes to the maxilla and that the large intestine meridian goes to the mandible. So when I treat someone that has like, you know, pain along V3, I'm going to be doing acupuncture that is addressing the large intestine meridian, for example. Right? The third that, division of the trigeminal articulates with the large intestine. Meridian. I'm sorry, the, the large intestine meridian. The large okay. intestine meridian. Mm -hmm. And the meridians actually pass through. So I'm sure you've seen the diagrams of mm -hmm. like the acupuncture points and the meridians that yeah. go up. So they actually, according to Chinese medicine, uh, come out of the meridian, go into internal organs, and then come back out. Hmm. Right. That's why these weirdo uh, acupuncture points work for different things. <laughs> right. Wow. So. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to tell me, ask me if do meridians interact with actual organs? Yeah, I've seen I've seen the results. Yeah. And do meridians go through teeth and go through jaws? Yeah, they do. 
right? But I've never in my, as a, as a Chinese medical doctor, as a as someone who's a licensed acupuncturist, have I ever seen anything in school or out of that was, that was from Chinese medicine that linked specific teeth to specific organs? I have not seen that, right? Again, does that mean that it's all a lark or it's all fake? No, that just means I've never seen it. Right, like we've wow. never seen Bigfoot, but he's out there somewhere, convinced. <laughs> Aliens like exist. That. Aliens I've never exist, seen them, but they're but there. I know that they are there somewhere. We have evidence for aliens, actually. We do have evidence for aliens. Yes, there is evidence out there. People have been abducted, Irene. Okay, all right. I've never seen them, so I can't believe it if I haven't seen it. This is so good. And it's enlightening. Thank you. We appreciate you your, so your wisdom, appreciate your provocative ideas about our profession. It's what's yeah. going to continue to push us forward. It's going to help so. us embrace the oral systemic link in a very unique way, which I think is very cool. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we very much need now more than Absolutely. ever. People are expecting dentistry to look and feel different yeah. and yeah. you're part of that. So thank you. Thank you so much for having thank me. This you. has been tremendous Thanks so much. Fun. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll catch we you it. for yes. our, pa our part two soon. Part two is going to happen. We thank can't you. wait. Okay. Okay, everyone, thank, thank you again you so for much. tuning in to another episode of the Tooth Eater podcast. We will see you next time. Peace out, peeps. Cheers. <laughs> and we're back <laughs> on the flip side. Katrina, we're here. From the flippity flip, from, we made it. We made it. We made it. That was a fun episode. It was a great episode. Like, I, I feel like I just want to borrow his brain for a day and, like, talk to people with TMJ challenges and like, you know what I mean? Just, yeah, I, he, he opened my eyes to so much. It, it, and I love people that question that cause me to question, like, you're right. Like I was taught in hygiene school. You just give them a bruxism guard, but like, oh right. yeah, it's like muscular and it's, there's a joint there and like, right. Oh, okay. It's a multifactorial. Right. Thing. There's, there's a whole thing going on here. And if we're going to talk about like, oh yeah, do you get headaches? Do you get ear pain? Do you blah, blah, blah. Like, why are we not doing something more than just giving it like, but he just, he really like challenged. I want to go to him. I want to go to him. I need I to go, go to him. him. I want to go to him and just have an assessment done so that I can feel like I never need to talk about night guards ever again. I'm yeah. just going to like send people to him because I feel like, okay, cat's out of the bag. I'm going to say this. Irene hot take. It happened at the end of this episode. Um, we should not all be treating TMD issues. It doesn't end with a night guard. So no, it's it like doesn't. You, you read it in the medical history. It's like, a okay, band-aid. Patient is taking an SSRI. Cool. They're going to be more prone to TMD issues, clenching, right. grinding. Right. Because me medication induced. So we're going to throw in a night guard and then watch and wait and supervise and neglect and band-aid treatment. Right. But really, right. we're not addressing the problem at hand. So I feel like unless it is in your wheelhouse and you have all of the solutions, right. then don't do any of them and send them to someone who does. Yeah. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Don't, because don't, please don't come at me for this. But I think you're, I think I'm right. <laughs> Just saying. She has spoken. She has spoken. Anywho, so thank you again, peeps, for tuning in to another episode of the Tooth or Dirt podcast. We really appreciate you all for listening. And please leave us a five-star review because we know none of you yeah. left us a five-star review. Where are all the reviews at? I Where mean, are all we, the reviews? We have and all also, of these downloads. Five stars the is reviews? good. One star is bad. Do you ever get somebody that does takes one of your course evals and they give you all ones? 
because they yeah. thought that one was the good, maybe. Well, at this know. point, we have zero stars because no one's left us anything. So Why I would, is nobody I would be happy us? if someone just left us a one-star review because then that means that they felt passionately enough to, like, at least leave feedback. Tell us if you love us. Don't tell don't. us if you hate us. Just slide into our <laughs> DMs and say that. Just validate us somehow. <laughs> Somebody it. do it. I'm um, gonna I'm gonna do this. The the first person who leaves <gasps> a five star review. She's gonna slide into your DMs topless from find her, me her, no. from her selfies from Croatia. Find me. I don't have any topless selfies from Croatia oh, on my yeah. phone, anyways. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She went there. I'm a lady. Um, She's a lady. The, God the, damn it. First person who does that. Um, I'm going to find you at the next trade show slash conference and you. buy you a glass of wine. <laughs> I'm going to find you. I don't you. think you're allowed to do that. I don't think you're allowed to pay for. She's going to, she's going to, she's going to put one of those like new Apple trackers on you. I'm going to find you. <laughs> I will find you. Okay. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. And thanks again to our peeps at DS for sponsoring another episode. We appreciate Make sure you guys. that if you get the opportunity to see the new or try the new, it's not new, but it's, it might be new to you. Um, new pro freedom polisher check one out i'm sure your ds rep might have one handy that you could borrow just saying if you borrow it i mean we were talked about this a couple of times about like the struggles with trying to ask your boss for equipment maybe if you do a loaner situation then you can convince them so let's try that out do it to it friends do it up okay peace out peeps see you in a week or so will you see them i don't know okay peace out cheers I see them. I don't know. We'll see the viewers at home. We'll see the viewers at home. I'd like to see the viewers at home. I would like to see the viewers at home. I would also like to see the viewers at home. Let's see them. Let's see them. Okay, stop recording. Okay, you guys. You know who isn't lovely right now? Katrina. Katrina. Yeah, no. Do you like the broken blood vessel in my eyelid, by the way? All right. Cool. Irene, I gotta, I gotta take my cold medication, and I'm, I'm gonna take it with a little sip of wine here. Hello, Doctor Shirazi. How are you? I'm great. How you doing? Good. I'm Irene. Nice to meet you. Irene, this is my to co-host Katrina. Oh, great. I'm Katrina. Hi, I just Katrina. took my cold medication. Please forgive me. <laughs> okay. It could okay. be worse. It's yeah, it could be way worse. You could be actually you could actually be doing drugs. Like that could be so much worse for the podcast world. We'd be like the rock stars, you know? Maybe like good cool for the rock podcast. stars that are so so famous that they do drugs before an episode. I you know what? I it Dr. might be a better Dr. episode. Shirazi's like what is He's like what did I here? sign up what, for? Who, you know what? what? You'll, you'll get, get the best into. out of me if you put a psychedelic. I'll tell you something. There you go. <laughs> that I've never even heard before. <laughs> Quick. Rules, Lou, new rules of the podcast. Get the shrooms out, Lou. Get the shrooms. <laughs> I mean, how oh. psychedelic are we talking about here? Are we talking about like an OTC thing, or are we talking about like full blown ayahuasca? Wow, Irene. DMT is the best. Man. We went there. DMT is the best. Irene is going okay. there, man. We're going there. This isn't. This isn't. This is. We haven't started yet. We're I just, love we're this dream. This is the. We this is the icebreaker. <laughs> just let him in. Okay. Letting him in. I got, I got a temple, temple gin smash with a what's that? Watermelon sugar high straw. Uh-huh. Watermelon sugar, watermelon <laughs> sugar. Right? Hi. Is that how the song Hello. goes? Watermelon Hi. sugar. Oh, you can't see me yet. There you go. I can't I can't see him. There he is. Watermelon sugar. Not Have you heard you. of that song before? Watermelon sugar. Uh, I haven't. <laughs> you haven't? Uh uh-uh. uh. 
Don't, all the kids it. are listening like to it these the days. Way. Harry Styles sings it, I think. I like that. We're all Do you about ever like curveballs? We love curveballs. Do you ever like start we... talking and you're like, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but then you just keep talking and then eventually you bring yourself. You bring See, you're yourself talking about psychedelics again. There we go. We're just back to square question. one. Sometimes I'm talking and I'm like, I don't, I literally don't know what I'm going to say, but I just uh-huh. keep talking and eventually I get Hold myself. Hold on a second there. here, peeps. My internet oh. is not so good. There's a. Now she's really frozen though. Oh, oh, she moved. It's because I, like, I left. I feel like it's like when you're at the zoo and you're like, is the animal dead or is it just sunbathing? <laughs> and then you have to wait for it to like blink and then you're like, oh, okay, it's alive. Yeah, it's farted, it's, it's okay. Am I back? Am I back? Am I in? She's back. Can you hear me? She is here. Am I here? I can hear you, Irene. 